Today we observe the Lord's Supper. If you are here and you are our guest and you're a born again believer, we invite you to join us as the body of Christ to observe the Lord's Supper with us together. The gospel accounts give to us the circumstances that surrounded the Lord's Supper. We're very familiar with it. The body of the Lord is the bread. The blood of the Lord is the fruit of the vine. It's a very important observance for us. It's one of two ordinances that we believe we're commanded to observe. The first baptism and then of course the Lord's Supper. We're going to look at it from a little bit different perspective this morning and I'm starting in John chapter 6. This is the account in the greater, greater context of when Christ fed the 5,000. Then he took a boat, went over to the other side and people were chasing after him, wanting to know where he was. And so the the overall story begins with how Christ met their, met their physical needs supernaturally. Only Christ could have done that with the thousands who were there. But of course it had a greater meaning, a meaning that is not just fixed in the lives of people on a hillside, but a meaning that is a spiritual meaning that is fixed in eternity. And so with that in mind, let's look at John chapter 6, and I'm going to start with verse 51. I am the living bread, having come down from heaven. If anyone eats this bread, he will live to the age or into the age. In other words, when you consider the Greek text, he means... The ages of time will be meaningless to the one who eats this bread. So he goes on and he says, as the living bread that I will give and the bread that I will give my flesh is for the life of the world is for the life of the world. Cos, move from cosmos, cosmos. The cosmos is everything that is created. The whole universe has fallen. There's only one hope, and that is that the universe that has been stained by sin will, of course, disappear and be replaced with a new heaven and a new earth that all depends on Christ. He says in Colossians that He is the one, all things are made by Him, for Him, through Him, and in Him all things, in the Greek, synestomy, it means all things consist or are held together. How is it a cosmos instead of a chaos? Why are these finely tuned principles of physics, holding everything together, molecules and atoms and 
novas and vistas and solar systems and galaxies. It is by the power of the creator, namely the Christ. He takes it upon himself to redeem all of these things in himself. And the bread also that I will give my flesh is for the life of the world. Therefore the Jews were arguing with one another saying, how is this man able to give us his flesh to eat? Now remember there's a contrast between the religious folks who are unbelievers and the believers. The contrast is no sharper than what it is here in this passage of Scripture. Therefore Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, except you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink His blood, you have no life in yourselves. You cannot give yourself this eternal life. The one eating my flesh and drinking my blood has eternal life. And I will raise him up in the last day. For my flesh is true food and my blood is true drink. The one eating my flesh and drinking my blood abides in me and I in him. As the living Father sent me and I live because of the Father... Also the one feeding on me, he also will live because of me. This is the bread having come down from heaven, not as the fathers ate and died. The one eating this bread will live to the age. In other words... He's ageless. Deacons, would you come and join me now at the front? As we ponder the bread, which is the body of Christ, Christ makes the analogy of the believer's relationship to Christ and what Christ does for us through bread and drink. What he's saying is he's going to have to go and be offered as a spiritual sacrifice. This whole thing is spiritual. Spiritually, it is all of Christ. Spiritually, Christ gives himself. He died once on the cross to save us. And this is the great sacrifice. He gave his life, his body, his blood. There are three things about that that we have come to know as believers and we celebrate it today by partaking of the Lord's Supper. Number one, you have to be hungry for it. When I grew up in Gadsden, not far from my house was the Marita Bakery. They made Bread for, I don't know how many counties around, I don't know how far out they sent that bread. But man, early in the morning, the fragrance, the smell of that bread being baked made you want some bread. Now, if a person 
was already filled and drunk with other things, he wouldn't have wanted that bread. He wouldn't have been hungry for that bread. If you have this bread, you had to be hungry for it in order to take it. That's the first thing. The second thing is it has to be appealing to you. You have to want that bread. I said just a moment ago, some people are full of other stuff. And they're so full of the world and of, of sin and the things of this life. So filled with it. Their thoughts, their time, all stuffed with the things of the world. The bread of life just isn't appealing to them. Finally, when you take it, it becomes part of who you are. You are what you eat, right? So, here is the Christian life. By a divine miracle of grace, God awakens us from the death of sin and transgression. And gives to us the gift of repent, the gifts of repentance and faith and confession. All of those things are from God. And then we naturally hunger for Christ. When you are awakened out of the sin death into the life of regeneration that only God can give to you, and the darkness is dispelled. And now there's nothing but light. You are drawn to the source of the light. That's just the way it is. All a gift of God. Grace. And when you come by this God-given faith and repentance and confession, we have the Holy Spirit, then the Spirit of Christ who comes into our lives and he fills us with himself. Paul said, for me to live is Christ. And to die is gain. Philippians 1. When we are drawn by the Father to the Son. When we are saved by the grace of God. And caused to be born again, as Peter writes and says. Then we grow, as Peter says again, we grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ, a growing process. And as we mature and walk through life, this bread of life so satisfies us and so fills us that this satisfied life in Christ finds itself sharing Christ in so many ways. Christ in us, working through us. At that last supper, at the Lord's Supper, he said to his disciples, this is my body, this is my flesh, this is my body. Take it and eat it. And when you do this, you do this in remembrance of me. 
Now, leading up to that, he gives this great analogy of himself as, as food and drink. Specifically, just now we focused on the bread, Christ, the life, the perfect life of Christ that he has shared with us, infused himself within us by the divine miracle of grace, the gift of his Holy Spirit, and we grow in Christ. And so we come to honor that today in recognizing his presence in our life through participating in this Lord's Supper. And we come in a time of reflection, a time of confession and repentance and how perfect he is to have put himself within those of us who are so imperfect. And yet he sanctifies us. He separates us to himself. And some glorious day, he'll glorify us. Would you bow in prayer with me, please? Father God in heaven, we come in confession of sin and repentance. We come to express our unworthiness. And we come marveling at how you have made us worthy, that you have covered us with Christ, that you've given to us your Holy Spirit, that you have saved us forever, and that the life you have given to us is eternal life because of the bread which came down from heaven. Lord, as we come humbly today to participate in the sharing of this bread, we reflect on the perfection of Christ and the grace that you gave when you sent him to die for us and when you called us to yourself in him. Bless us now in Jesus' name. Amen. Gentlemen, let's... Pass the bread.